just sometimes we don't even know what he has protected us from. Oh, I wish you had help here. In fact, I've given the testimony before. Sometimes God protects us from stuff that we think we won't. that we think we want. And the, and the un, ugly thing about it is when we don't get it, then we get mad at God. But he was protecting us from something that we thought we wanted. I've given the testimony before. It was a few years ago now. But I, there was this promotion on, on the job that I was applying for. And I was like, that Lord, that's for me. And I know somebody's been there. You, a promotion you didn't get, but you thought it was for you. I was like, Lord, that's for me. It's perfect. It's right up my alley. It's, it, it lines up with my credentials. It, it, it's desirable to what I want. So I applied for it and, and, and I didn't get it, even though there were three positions available. And I was hurt about it. I was upset about it. I was frustrated. I was like, Lord, I, I prayed about it. I had claimed it. I, I, I had fasted for it. I, I had heard some word of God that I thought was confirmation to me that it was mine. But then a little about six months later, after I didn't get the position, found out that all three of the positions that I applied for were all being eliminated. All three of those people had to find other jobs after just getting the job that same year. And after that, you know what I said, Lord, first of all, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I was mad at you. I'm, I'm sorry that I doubted you. But that was God protecting me from something that I thought I wanted. So when I say I'm giving God the glory for everything he's done for me, I'm just going to say I'm doing my best because there are things that he's done that I don't even know that I don't understand. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, forgive me in areas where you've protected me from stuff I thought I wanted and you were just looking out for my best interests. Lord, I just forgot the scripture for a moment. The scripture told me that all things work together. I wish you were in here with me this morning. All things, all the things that I think that I want that don't work out are working for my good. The things that make me upset and frustrated are working for my good. The things that, that made me feel like I was losing my mind, that I was losing my job, I was losing my family and my relationship. Lord, they were all working together. Okay, you lift your hands one time and just say, Lord, thank you. Come on, lift your hands one time and say, Lord, thank you. Now make it personal and say, Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. If nobody else thanks you, Lord, I thank you. We're coming to the, from the word of the Lord on this morning. We're coming... And it's a special word that God has shared with me. And I got excited about it when God gave it to me. It's from Matthew chapter 25. And we'll be looking at verses 1 through 13. Again, it's Matthew chapter 25. And we'll be looking at verses 1 through 13. And the word of the Lord says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flask of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. I want to share for you, with you for a few moments from the thought, I understood the assignment. 
Say that with me. Say, I understood the assignment. Lord, Heavenly Father, bless us in these few destiny moments. Lord, allow our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to be open and receptive to what you're saying to us through your word. Lord, allow us to recognize and allow that word to guide us. Let it be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Let us also appreciate the moment, Lord. We're here for a purpose. We're here intentionally, Lord. We are, we're predestined to be here in this moment at this time to hear this word. So let's recognize the importance and the import of this moment. And Lord, allow it to move and shape us into who you'd have us to be and direct us in the path that you'd have us to go and allow it to fine-tune our purpose so that we might be in line with what you'd have us to do and to be. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I understood the assignment. When I was looking at this text, there are a few things that I gathered this time that when you read God's word, that's how it happens, that I did not gather before. That's why it's so important to continue to read God's word, continue to stay inside the word, continue to allow the word to be applied to your heart because you may not get it all the first time. There are so many things that the word is, is so rich and, and, and it speaks to us sometimes at different moments in our lives. Sometimes it's not, it's not that the word has changed. The word is immutable and in God, he does not change. But you know what happens? We change. We mature we, uh, as people. We mature as Christians. We mature along this spiritual walk with God. And then things that at one moment in our lives when we were younger and immature did not mean much to us after we've gone through a little bit. I think one writer put it this way, after you've suffered a while, you begin to appreciate and understand the word on a deeper level and it speaks to you and reaches you in areas that may not simply have been accessible before. I say that to somebody, think of somebody who's been hurt, somebody who's been hurt in a relationship and you were hurt by a relationship and as a result of that, you began to protect yourself and you don't have to raise your hand, I know you're out there. You've been hurt in a relationship and then you began to protect yourself. You began to protect your heart because you had been abused. You had been hurt. You had seen how somebody else had treated you. So what happens is some, some parts of you began to be shut off. You weren't as open to love. You weren't as open when you, in fact, you became so jaded that people said things that they meant them. But to you, it just sounded like a line. It just sounded like a lie. You began to doubt everything that people said to you because you had been hurt in a relationship. I, you, you don't have to raise your hand, but I know you're out there. So what happens is because of your lack of openness that you weren't receptive to things that were happening. And sometimes that happens to us with God's word. Because we're at different places, we begin to perceive God's word differently and our level of openness changes. We're more receptive to what God has to say to us because we're in a different level of our maturity. We're in a different level of our relationship with him. So you have to be open. So when I was looking at this word, I began to appreciate that, first of all, this story is not about stinginess. So I don't want anybody to take from this that God allows you to be stingy. Because sometimes you can twist God's word. That's not what it means. These, these wise virgins did not share their oil, but that does not give you permission to be mean and stingy. That is not the, come on, I'm trying to make sure you get the purpose of the message. Just because you, you might read that out of this, but that's not what this word is saying. That's not what this word is about. Somebody point at somebody and say, understand the assignment. That's, that's, that's not what this word is about. It does not give you permission to be hateful, evil, and stingy. That's not what it's about. What it is about is maintaining a personal, somebody say personal, maintaining a personal relationship with God. That means I can't give you my relationship. You have to have your own relationship with God. We'll go deeper into that in just, for just a moment. But what it says here in the word, it says it's likening in this parable what the kingdom of heaven will be like. It didn't say what you will be like. It said what the kingdom of heaven will be like. So let's understand the context of the lesson. This is how the kingdom of heaven will proceed. This is how it will be relative to those who desire to, to spend eternity with God in heaven. This is exactly how the scenario might play out. It says there'll be five who are foolish and five that were wise. The first thing that I notice is that it's a 50-50 proposition. Seems like there will be just as many who are lost as those who are found, just as many who are set aside as those who were chosen, just as many who will listen 
as those who will not listen. It says the wise took the flask of oil with their lamps. So everybody has, has a lamp. Point at somebody and say, everybody has a lamp. Everybody has a lamp, but does everybody have oil? Everybody, everybody got a lamp, but, 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 but do you have oil? I told you, it doesn't matter how sometimes we desire things that we're not ready for. Now you want, a, you want a huge big house, but can you even pay the taxes on that house? You want a huge big yard, but are you going to cut the yard? Can you, can you afford the price of that yard being attended to? Come on in here with me now. You want a, you want a nice, a, a expensive car, but you, you might not even be able to afford the gas that goes inside. Come on. Well, I, got, well, I, I got gas money. Okay, then do you have insurance money to pay for your large, expensive vehicle, that, that exotic vehicle that, you, that, is, that is of your dreams? Can you pay the insurance on that vehicle? So what I'm saying is that just because you have something doesn't mean that you're prepared to use it properly. You, everybody has a lamp. The question is, do you have any oil? Point at somebody and ask and say, do you have any oil? The, 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 the wise virgins, they not only had lamps, but they brought oil with the lamp. Not only the oil that was inside it, but they brought flasks to have extra oil to go with the lamp. And what happened here? Because understand, that's a level of preparation. The oil in this context, it represents a level of preparation. They were prepared for what was about to happen next. And I come to ask somebody that when it talks about the kingdom of heaven, the question is simple. Are you ready? Are you prepared? And some, for some, the question might be, are you trying to get ready? What did you do last week to prepare your heart, your mind, and your soul to spend eternity with God? What did you do? We've talked about this on this year, talking about going forward. We talked about preparing. We're talking about all the hours that we have in a week that we often misuse. How many of hours of this past week did you use preparing your soul to be with God? You don't have to raise your hand. But the question is, then, if, if the answer is zero, then what is your priority? You're saying you're going to be with God, but what are you doing to prepare to spend eternity with him? Sounds like if you did nothing, sounds like you have a lamp, but you didn't bring any oil. Bringing the oil is purposeful. It does not happen by accident. Having oil is, is, is something that's purposeful. It is intentional. It does not happen by accident. What I mean is you're not going to accidentally get into heaven. You're not going to trip and fall and get into heaven. It has to be purposeful. It has to be intentional. It has to be something that you work on. We, we live in a day where we have, uh, we have a generation that, that they think, Things just fall into your lap that you don't have to work for. So many, so many times I, I confront students and they, they get up in the day and then something bad happens and then they're ready to shut down the whole day just because one bad thing happened. They, they, they have not learned to overcome adversity and it's our fault because we overcame so much adversity and we went through so much that we've passed on to each generation a desire that they go through less than we did. And it's okay for the next generation to go through less than you did, but make, a, a, make them appreciate and understand that when you're passing off less to them, that what you're passing off costs you something. It, it costs you something. For, for, for African Americans sitting in a school that is not segregated, it costs us something. People died. People died for us to have the right to vote. People suffered and died for us to have equal opportunity and access to education. People died so that we could even go to the local hotel, so that we could eat inside the restaurant. 
People suffer. They bled and they died for those simple basic rights. And now we've passed it along to our children, but we didn't explain to them the struggle. We didn't make it plain to them that, yes, you're doing that right now. And yes, you don't have to fight anybody. But I want you to know that somebody fought so that you can do that. Somebody was hosed down on the street so that you cannot vote. So that you can choose. Let me get it right. So that you can choose to not vote. Because before you just couldn't. But now you're choosing not to vote. But somebody was hosed down. Somebody was beaten. Somebody marched. And people died so that you can sit at home and choose not to vote. I want to explain to you. I'm not trying to pass to you the trauma of the struggle. But I want you to understand that somebody fought for that which you have. What I'm telling you is that we need to understand that you don't fall into heaven. You don't fall into Christianity. You don't fall into being like Jesus. But Paul said for this cause, I die daily. I have to struggle for this thing and this relationship that I have with God. It has to be purposeful. It has to be intentional. And it does not happen by accident. You're going to have to work for this. Jesus said my yoke is easy. And my burden is light, but he still called it a yoke. Which And the yoke, you have to put it on your neck. And when you put the yoke on your neck, guess what? It's, you're going to feel it on your neck. You're going to feel. And, and what I mean by that, you, 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 every day you ought to feel a, a, a burden, a purpose to do what is right to God. You, you ought to feel and wake up every morning that I have an obligation to, be able to live right before God. I have an obligation to hold up my light and let it shine so the world can see not who I am, but so that they can see Christ in me. There is an obligation attached to my Christianity. There's an obligation attached to me being saved. There's an obligation attached to me desiring to spend eternity with him. The other thing about the yoke is not only should you feel it, but it's visible. When you think of the yoke, the yoke was a heavy piece of wood that was wide that sat upon the neck of the calves. And often it was, uh, it was a double yoke so that two oxen could carry that big piece of wood that yoked them together, that attached them, that, that connected them to something. And I, I, I keep preaching it this, this year and God keeps bringing it back to me, but the yoke ought to make you feel connected. I'm connected to something that's bigger than I am. I'm connected to something that's bigger than I am. So when you understand that I, I feel connected to something that's bigger than I am, then it restrains my behavior. It changes how I treat other people. It changes how I represent myself. Yeah, yeah. yeah when, 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 I, when, I, when I'm going out, I might feel like cussing them out real loud and telling them all about themselves. That's how my flesh feels. But I'm constrained. Somebody say constrained. I'm constrained by something I'm connected to that is larger than I am. So I can't just act any kind of way. I, I am I, I, I'm a royal priesthood. I, I'm a holy nation. I am a peculiar people who, who've been called out of the darkness and into the marvelous light. I am constrained by the gospel of Jesus Christ to not behave in any kind of way. I cannot, I cannot allow him to, to, be, to be represented in any kind of way. Oftentimes, even in the Old Testament, God got on the, ch the children of Israel. He said, the reason I'm having to punish you now is because you have given the enemy cause to blaspheme my name. You have made my name look bad because of how you have behaved. Because how you have acted, I have to punish you because of how you represented me to other people. Because now you have caused other people to blaspheme and, 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 to, and to doubt my power and to, and to doubt who I am because of how you behave. And we should never be guilty of that. We have to be careful how we represent. Why? Because we are connected to something that is larger than we are. So in my flesh, Sister Mary, I, I may want to cuss them out. I, 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 I went to college, so I know a lot of words to help tell them about themselves. 
And I know I know how to use them grammatically correct and put them in order. But just because I know all these adjectives and, and adverbs and, and all of these ways that I can tell them about themselves does not re- release me to do so. Why? Because I'm connected to something that's bigger than I am. And I cannot give them cause to blaspheme the name of my God. It's more important that I stay saved than I look better in my own eyes. And that's something that we have to struggle with. We struggle with it because we want to look good. And not only do we want to look good, we certainly don't want anybody else to make us look bad. And sometimes in the name of preserving how we look, we forget that we're connected. It's more important to stay connected to God than to tell somebody about themselves or to worry about what somebody else thinks about you. Because when I go before the Lord, when I die, it's not going to matter what anybody else thought about me. It's not going to matter how many times I tried to protect my own self-image. It's not about what somebody said about me on social media or, or how I tried to prop myself to look better than I actually am on social media. Come on, you know how that works. It doesn't matter what fake image I have of myself because when I go before God, God knows my heart. He knows when I'm doing wrong, get this, even when to others it looks like I'm doing right. Because he knows my heart. See, we like to say, oh, God knows my heart when we have good intentions and other people don't see it. But we don't talk about it when we're doing, we have bad intentions. And God yet sees it. We're connected to something more powerful and important than we are. And we have to be reminded that we are connected. Say, I am constrained. Bringing the oil is purposeful and intentional. But not only that, bringing the oil identifies and sets us apart. And and, and when it sets us apart, that means not only when people see you, it's when you're not seen. It's, It's what you don't see. I think somebody said character is who you are when nobody's watching. How you behave if nobody, what would you do if nobody was watching or would catch you doing what you desire to do? That's what real character is. How you behave outside of the limelight. How you behave when nobody's watching, when nobody observes. That's how you identify. Why? Because I'm not identifying myself as a follower of Christ to other people as much as I'm doing it to God himself. Notice in the text, the the, the bride, the virgins, they had oil, they, they had lamps. I said everybody had a lamp. But at the end of the story, he says, I knew you not. Some of us are known by other people as Christians, but God doesn't know us. We we portray ourselves as Christians to other people, but yet God is saying, I know you not. It's not how many times you showed up to service. they, They often say what sitting in church doesn't make you any more Christian than sitting in a garage makes you a car. That, that, that's not what identifies. And now people can say, well, I, I, I'm a member of the virtual church, so I, I'm streaming at home. And that's fine. Well, what I'm saying is it's not where you are and what you're watching. It's not what happens on the outside. The question is, what is happening on the inside? Remember, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. I have to have a transformation that comes from the inside. Doesn't matter how many, how long your dress is on the outside. When your virtue is short on the inside. And I'm trying to say this, you know, I, I have to be careful because I have a virtual audience watching too. But long dresses come off too. Okay. Let's keep it real for the men. Your your three-piece suit comes off too. Let's, Let's be balanced. 
What I'm saying is we, we, we spend so much time addressing the outside that we're not intentional and purposeful about what's happening on the inside. Carrying this oil, you have to be purposeful. You have to be intentional. And it has to be every day. You can't miss a day. You can't miss a day. Missing a day might, might cause you to go to hell. I can't, I, I can't miss a day. I have to continue to struggle and fight on the inside this battle that is happening on, on the battleground of my mind. Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's not, it's not what, I'm, what I'm seeing on the outside, but it, it is a struggle that is occurring on the inside. It's not uh, you worried about enemies and haters. It's not about that. It's really about the devil struggling on a spiritual level. And he uses many different people to, to, to move forward in that struggle. So sometimes we're so focused on the physical that we're losing the spiritual battle on the inside. So, yes, physically I was at church or physically I was streaming church, but mentally what was happening on the inside? What was happening with my spirit? So it says these women, the, the, the five, five wise and, and the five foolish virgins, they, 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 they gather and then get this because I'm coming around home quickly. The bridegroom is delayed. The bridegroom is delayed. See, the foolish virgins would have been okay if the bridegroom was not delayed. But because he was delayed, then they weren't prepared. Because he was delayed. What I'm trying to tell you is God does not operate on our time. Doesn't operate on our time. It is incumbent upon us to be ready Whenever he comes, that means we have to stay ready. Sometimes the the short, it's easy to be ready on a short term, but can you manage for the long term? Can you manage for the long haul? That's why I say it's so important to receive the Holy Ghost because you can, you can be saved for a while, but to maintain that thing, you need some help. Point at somebody and say, you need some help. We, we all, we all need help. We all need help to remind us. I think that Holy Ghost is like, he's like the reins on the yoke that constrains us in moments when we would come out of who we are. Because if you bother some of us long enough, you'll find another person to come out of us. Come on now. I got my BT shirt on today at work, but I ain't always had this shirt. And they're going to find, come on, they're going to find out another part of me if they, if they keep messing with me. There, there's, a, there's another me in me. Point at somebody and say, there's two of you in there. There's two. There's two. There's two of you. Everybody got multiple personality around there. I know if you understand, everybody, everybody has multiple personalities. And some of you, it depends what day it is. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Which personality you get. We're all struggling. So, somebody just pointed somebody and say, forgive me. I'm struggling. Steve Harvey said, don't trip. God ain't through with me. <laughs> don't trip. There's two of me. I have multiple personalities on the inside that are struggling with each other. And I have to fight to make sure that God's spirit on the inside is what wins. I'm going to share this with you. I don't think I've shared this here at Bright Temple. I shared it purpose. But mom's here. Praise God for mom being here. She reminded me of this. It's hard to make me get upset. For those who know me personally, it's difficult. It, you, you, you might try intentionally and I still might not get upset. But, but that, that's just something God's blessed me with. It's just my demeanor. It's difficult to make me upset. But I found out a few years ago, I can get there. I can get there. And I was at my mom's house. And, and dad had just passed. And uh, we, dad had a pool table. And some men were supposed to be moving it. So we called some movers. And, and they were there to move it. And... They, they didn't know what the bottom line, they didn't know what they were doing. All of a sudden, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on the stairs 
And I hear a boom. I'm like, what is this? These men, not knowing what they're doing, for those who understand a pool table, they tried to flip over a pool table. If you know the pool table, how it's what you don't, you can't flip over a pool table. I thought they were about to break the house. I said, now, guys, I'm paying you because you told me you knew what you were doing. But obviously, you don't know what you were doing. So I'm going to have to ask you to leave. So I'm asking them to leave. I said, I'm going to have to call someone else. And then their boss gets on the phone and says, well, I'm going to still need you to pay us for what we were unable to do. And then that, Brother James, that's when I realized there was another me. (laughs) Hadn't seen him for a while. There was another me on the inside. I ain't using no special words or nothing. Some of y'all waiting on that. Now, I don't, I don't do that, but I was upset. And my mom, I don't know if I know the last time my mom had to come up and say, Larry, calm down. <laughs> she was telling me to calm down because she saw another me coming out. What I'm saying is there's another you in there. I don't care how deeply buried they're in there. I don't know what circumstances are necessary for him to come out. But under the right scenario, under the right set of circumstances, that other you will come out. So that's why you have to keep fighting every day. You have to bring your oil every day. Somebody say every day. Every day you have to bring the oil. To bring the oil to anoint the demon of that other Larry that was trying to come out. I needed to, he needed a lot of oil because he was trying to come out. And that's, that's what we have to do. We have to struggle. We have to fight. And it comes out in different ways. You know what your areas of weakness are. You know what you struggle with. But it's just the other you, your fleshly man on the inside trying to come out. So you have to be intentional with the all. So I I said all of that so that you can understand this. So when the foolish virgins were out of oil and they asked the wise virgins for their oil, now you can understand, I don't have enough oil for somebody else. I want you to get that. I, I, I don't have enough oil for somebody else. Because if I, I give you my oil, what happens when the other me, come on now, tries to come out? Because, see, that oil is not for the me you seeing right now. <laughs> I wish you were in here with me right now. That oil is not for the me that you see right now that can speak to you professionally, that can, that can dress myself up and can sit and, and can listen, that, 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 that has a level of patience that you haven't crossed yet. That's not who the oil is for. I need every drop of that oil. Somebody say every drop. I need every drop of that oil for the other me. Because if it decides to come out, I'm going to need every drop of that oil to keep that, to tell him to sit down, to keep him in his place, to keep his mouth shut. Because you won't recognize what you see right now if the other me decides to come out. So what I'm saying is I need all my oil. Somebody say that with me. I need all my oil. I need all. I need all. I need all. My, oh, I need all my oil. I need all my oil because I know stuff about that other me that you haven't been introduced to. I know something about that other me that doesn't allow, it doesn't come out in polite company. In fact, I'd rather deal with that other me at home by myself with all my oil. So that you don't see what I'm struggling with. But I do want you to understand that we're all struggling with another me. Don't care how sedity you are, how pretty you are. I don't even care how long you've been saved. You can be saved for 70 years. God bless you. But you still got another me that needs every drop of that oil that you take with you every day. Somebody say every drop. So I, I, I 
I cannot share my oil. Because the other thing, get this, when they asked for the oil, the wise virgin said, I can't give you my oil, but you can go buy oil because my oil cost me something. It, it, it costs me something. So when you're asking for my oil, you're not asking for a commodity that I can take off the shelf and put in your hand. You're asking me to take a piece of the relationship that I have with God. And I cannot give you my relationship. I want you to get that. I cannot give you my, my relationship. I, I praise God that I, I think I was counting the other day. I, I'm fourth generation church of God in Christ. I praise God. I, I, I'm the great grandson of the founder of this church. I praise God for my, my 93 year old grandmother who has been saved and has been a blessing in Christendom. I praise God for my father who, who was a living example and who preached to many. I praise God for the virtue of my mother. But none of them could give me their own. Can't give me their all because he cost them something. It, 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 it cost them something. And I, I, I remember Bishop Hines was talking about somebody was even saying that they wanted to, to have the same anointing that he had. And, and they were wanting to pray that they, that they can preach like him and have the same anointing, the same oil. And he said, all right, brother, I'm praying that one day you're standing out on the tarmac and you get struck by lightning and they think you're dead. He said, hold on now. Wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I, 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 I don't want all that. And what he was saying is, I, I cannot give to you relationship. I cannot give to you my all because my all, get this, may have cost me something that you're not willing to pay. Ooh. You might not be willing to pay and sacrifice the same price. Because everybody values things differently. What you pay for your car, somebody else might can afford it, but they're just not willing to pay that much. What you, what you got may cost not, it may, may not in money, but it may cost in time. One, one great pianist, classical pianist, was confronted by somebody who said, man, I want to play just like you play. He said, no, you don't. He said, no, you don't. He said, because you don't want to spend 16 hours a day on a keyboard, on a piano, just sitting there perfecting the craft like I do. You, you, you don't want to spend that time. You don't want to forsake relationships like I have. You, you don't want to forsake and give up all of the other things that may be important to you in your life just for the purpose of being able to play this instrument like I play it. You're not willing to sacrifice and pay the cost that is necessary to have my own. Not willing to pay the cost for that. So I'm not going to pray for anybody else's oil because my oil, and I can't give my oil to anybody else because my oil personally costs me something. It's a reflective of my relationship with God, which means sometimes I, I, I cried all night. I wish I had help here. <laughs> cried all night because I didn't understand what I was going through, I, 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 I suffered a while in my, in my body. The, the doctors gave me diagnosis that I wasn't ready to deal with. I, I lost some people in my life that I wasn't ready to let go of. And, and it caused and cried to the point where I felt like I was losing my mind, where I, I, I was breaking on a fundamental level, where I could not be fixed. Baby, you don't understand what my all cost me. You don't want to feel hurt like I felt hurt. You don't want to feel broken like I felt broken. You don't want to cry like I've cried. You don't, you don't want to struggle with wondering whether or not you lost your mind like, I, like I've struggled. You don't want to struggle in your relationships just on the basis of pursuing that which God has told you to do like I have. You cannot pay the cost for the all because it costs me something. It costs me so much. Now, you know how God works. God doesn't always show you everything that's coming ahead. In fact, some people, if you were honest with yourself, you'd say, if I knew at the beginning that it cost me this much, I'm not sure that I'd want it. Where are my real people at? 
I'm not talking about to my sedity, super sanctimonious folks, but I, I'm talking about my real folks who, who are at a place right now that your oil cost you a lot. And if God had showed you at the beginning everything that you have to go through, all the relationships that you'd go through, all the brokenness that you would experience, all the tears that you'd have to cry, if he had showed you all of that at the beginning, you may have said, Lord, hard pass. I don't want all of that. But because God doesn't operate like that. He's brought you to a place now where you have your oil, but you cannot give it to someone else because it cannot, because it costs you so much. So when the wise virgins, and I'm finished, told the foolish virgin, you have to go purchase your own oil. While they were gone, that's when the bridegroom came. That's why I said, baby, you can't skip a day. Can't have a cheat day. With being a Christian. Come on now. You can't put down the bloodstained banner of Jesus Christ for even one moment. And the reason you can't put it down, and I hope you get this, is because it cost him too much. I, 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 my salvation is free, but it's not cheap. My ability to call myself the disciple of Jesus Christ was free to me simply by me exercising my faith through grace. But it costs Jesus so much. We cannot forget the sacrifice that he made so that we can walk around and call ourselves Christians. So that we can quote, summarily quote scriptures that maybe we don't even have a full meaning of. So that we can wear t-shirts and say, I, I'm saved and I believe. But sometimes we dismiss the cost of what, it, 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 what our Savior had to sacrifice. So that we can put the cross down for a day. So I can put my Bible down. So I can cut somebody out. So I can lay down my relationship, lay down my, lay down my reputation as a Christian. So that I can feel better in my flesh. So that I can lay down with who I want to lay down with. So I can speak how I want to speak. Say what I want to say. To make myself feel better. To indulge my flesh. The sacrifice that Christ made for me cost too much. For me to for one moment. To lay down that cross. Foolish, he came. The bridegroom came. While the foolish virgins were gone. And when the wise virgins were there and the bridegroom came, they shut the doors behind them. When they shut the doors, the foolish virgins then came afterwards. After they had purchased the oil. They did not let them in. And I told you what they said. They said, I don't know you. I don't know you. Because you weren't purposeful in keeping the oil with you, I don't know you. Because you weren't willing to sacrifice what was necessary to maintain your relationship. I don't know you. Because while you were out of oil, guess what? The other you came out. And because you allowed him to come out. Because you allowed your flesh to represent who you are. The bridegroom, Jesus Christ himself, is looking at that fleshly man. And says... I don't recognize him. I don't know you. That's why we have to fight every day. Somebody say every day. I have to battle. I have to struggle every day to keep that man under subjection. Because the promises that we love about God's word were not for that man. It's for the spiritual man. When God sees himself in us, he doesn't see that fleshly man that we keep under subjection. He sees his spirit reflected in us. That's who he recognizes. That's who he knows. So that's who we need to make sure is representing us when we appear before him. Because if it's the fleshly man, he's going to say, I don't know you. Those scriptures apply to the spiritual man. That is winning. 
So when we say we know that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord, to them who are called according to his purpose, he's talking about the spiritual man. He's not talking about the fleshly man. So he has to be under subjection for that scripture to work. When he says, I, I, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me, he's not talking about him. He's talking about that spiritual man being in control of that life and being in control of that body. When he says no weapon is formed against you shall prosper, he's, he's talking about that spiritual man and not the fleshly man that we need to keep under subjection. I'll finish here. The wise versions knew that the whole purpose of being in the place was to be ready when the bridegroom came. No matter how long he took, it wasn't about how pretty their dress was. It wasn't about how other people thought about them. It was about making sure that I'm ready when he gets here, no matter how much oil I have to take with me. Simple fact is, like the song says today, they understood the assignment. Every day that we wake up, we need to make sure we understand our assignment. My assignment is not to be the best looking. My assignment is, is not to be perceiving the eyes of others as being right when I know I'm wrong. My, my assignment is not to put forth a false face of who I am when I know I have so much mess in the background. It's like some of us, we're going live with our camera with the right angle so that we look good. And we find that one spot in our house is not dirty. For all of you who do that, for all of us who do that, I'm saying you're like the foolish virgin. You don't understand the assignment. The assignment every day is to be ready. I need to be ready today. I need to be ready tomorrow. And if he doesn't come tomorrow, I need to be ready the next day and the day after that. Every day, I have to fight the flesh. I have to keep myself in a subjection. I have to carry every drop of oil, say every drop. I need every drop of my oil so that I can be ready when God comes back. Everyone stand into your feet. Put those hands together and give God some praise for his word. Come on and give him some praise for his word. Are you ready? Do you understand the assignment? Do you understand your purpose? Do you understand what, what God is trying to do in this moment, in this season? Sometimes it takes more oil than, uh, than others. Sometimes it takes more patience. This might be your season of patience and not fighting. Everybody likes to fight. It's not always a fighting season. God may have you preserving your energy for what's coming next. This might not even be your season to shine. Everybody wants to shine. Everybody wants to be seen. Everybody wants to be seen doing well. Maybe this isn't your season to shine. But don't be like the foolish virgin and run out of oil. Understand the assignment. Every day I need to be prepared. I need to be ready for him. And sometimes I heard Bishop Richard Kling White say this. He lost a member and he said, Lord, he said, I didn't want to lose them. He said, I, I had some others on the list <laughs> that I would have offered. <laughs> But God said, I took them because they're ready. They understood the assignment. When their time came, even though we weren't ready, when their time came, they were ready. We must also be ready. Say, be ye also ready. For we know not the day, the time when the Lord shall come again. And your time might not be at the end time. We won't all be caught up. At that. We won't all be living and be caught up. But your time is when your life is over. And we must be ready every day, prepared with our oil. We must wake up every day 
look ourselves in the mirror and understand the assignment that God has given us. May I pray with you, bow your heads. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for this time and your people. Lord, we thank you for your word to remind us, Lord, to prepare and be ready for your return. It is a daily walk. It is a daily fight. It's a daily struggle that we must get up for every day. We must appreciate and understand the assignment. We must carry our oil. We must maintain that, that flame, that relationship that we have with you so that we're ready when you come back. Lord, I ask you to touch each and every one of us wherever we might be in our relationship. Lord, strengthen and, and invigor that light on the inside of us. Lord, that we might be a, a bright shining light of warm heat that, that attracts others to you. They may see our works, but let glorify you who are in heaven. We ask all these things in our son Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. For those who've been watching us virtually, we praise God for you. We pray that you understand the assignment each and every day that you wake up. And remember that God is walking with you. You don't have to do this by yourself. So you can live with faith and encouragement and expectation, knowing that God is watching and walking with you, regardless of where you may go. And we praise God for you until we shall see you again. Come on, Bright Temple, put those hands together and give God some praise. I hope and pray that each of you were touched and inspired by our service today. If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by Giveify. Download the app on Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the two line. And in the four line, tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple, Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity, and we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.